Well, welcome. Good morning. As Chris said, Merry Christmas. So glad that you're here worshiping with us on Christmas Sunday. Um, and we've got some really exciting stuff planned uh, for today and tomorrow with our Christmas Eve service. So I hope you're making it back for that as well. But we have been kind of building up to this point in the weekend, or this point in the season, rather, uh, in this new series called The New King. And um, we've been looking at a prophecy in the book of Isaiah where God foretold this king that was going to be coming, this Messiah that he was going to send. And we've been walking through each one of the titles that was given to him and how these words, these titles, these uh, characteristics of who Jesus was have an impact not only on uh, those people that he came to when he was here on earth, but still have an impact in our lives today as well. And as hopefully you've kind of zeroed in on already, today we're looking at the final title, Prince of Peace. And so if you've got a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. That's where we're starting today. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a hardback black one somewhere there on the floor around. You can grab that and follow along with us as well. We'd love for you to do that. Um, so we're going to be spending a lot of time there, in, or a little bit of time in Isaiah 9, and then we're going to be jumping into the Gospels and seeing some examples of how Christ is indeed this Prince of Peace. Um, so this, this past week, uh, all of our small groups were having their small group Christmas parties, and uh, hopefully you guys had fun at your parties. If, if you're not in a small group yet, man, get in a small group already. I don't know what you're waiting on, um, but this is where the magic happens, okay? So get in a small group and uh, have some fun and get, build some relationships and grow in Christ. And so we had our small group party, and uh, we decided that we were part of the night. We were going to do the ugly Christmas sweater thing. Well, I kind of decided that. Everybody else kind of did their own thing, but some of us did the ugly Christmas sweater thing, and some of us did some other things. But when I was looking for what I was going to wear, because I don't really just have those laying around my house, you know, so I, I found this shirt that I was going to get. Uh, go ahead and throw that up there, Billy. My presence is your presence. You think that's that, that a little too far? Is that a little over the top on that one? Um, so I, I didn't get that when I actually borrowed one from somebody instead. But as I was thinking through this idea of present and presence, and I actually have seen this other decoration around several, I, say, I feel like I've seen it a lot this year around people's houses for Christmas. Go ahead and put that next picture up as well. Um, it says, the magic of Christmas is not in the presence, but in his presence. And uh, that's probably a better play than the first one. Um, and uh, that's kind of what we want to zero in on today, that, that when, we look, when we think about the birth of Jesus Christ... When we think about Christmas, God was never more present with his people than when Jesus came and was born that first Christmas night, right? Literally, God coming to be present among us. And his presence in coming was a game changer, right? For not just, again, the people that were there, not just for Mary and Joseph, not just for the shepherds, not just for the wise men, but for all of us, for all of time, this was the pinnacle in human history. And the one reason I think that, that is so applicable is that because when his, he came, his presence brought peace. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you how that plays out in Scripture and then how that applies to you today. But it's super important that we understand this if we're going to experience true peace in our own lives. We have to have this connection and understand how it relates and, and comes back to Jesus. So here's kind of the main thought as we dig into Scripture together today. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Christ. Today we're going to kind of maybe redefine the way you think about peace. Um, and this is, this is something that I think will be helpful if you can ingrain this in your heart and in your head and get a biblical perspective on what peace really is Peace is not just the absence of conflict or problems or crisis or whatever you want to call it. Peace is having the presence of Christ in you, with you, around you, as we sang earlier. So, let's look at Isaiah chapter 9. Let's start in verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. 
So this title, Prince of Peace, um, in the original Hebrew would have been more like Prince of Shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word that we translate into peace today. But when we go back and we do some research on what that word Shalom meant to the Jews in this time period when they were indeed using it, Shalom, again, was not just an absence of conflict or problems. Shalom meant completeness. It meant wholeness. It meant being uh, utterly fulfilled in who you are, in your life, in your existence. And therefore, we are only fulfilled when we reach this level of shalom. And to do that, we have to understand how God set it up. When we look into God's word, we find out that us as humans, that we were made by God, we were made like God in his image, and ultimately we were made for God, for his purpose, for his glory, for a relationship with him. And the first humans, I mean, they had that perfect shalom relationship with God. No problems, no crisis, nothing separating them, no sin had entered the scene yet. But when it did, when they chose to take that first step into sin, it came and it broke everything. And it separated us from God. And we lost that shalom that we're talking about here. We were no longer complete or whole or fulfilled because now we were separated from the one relationship that we were designed for in the first place. And so we find out here that Jesus is going to be this prince of peace because Jesus is the only one, right? Jesus is the only one who could bring God's peace, peace to earth, to us. We've been using this verse for several weeks now. John 1.18 says, talking about Jesus, that no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. That Jesus, when he came to earth, part of what he was doing was coming to make known to us God the Father and all of his greatness and all of his characteristics and all of his glory in a human form that we could see and touch and understand and would be real to us. And so Jesus was bringing God's peace to earth and we see the proclamation of this becoming true in the Christmas story. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and flip over now into Luke Let's go to Luke chapter 1 and 2. In Luke chapter 1, it's kind of setting some things up, and we have this guy on the scene named Zechariah. Zechariah is the uh, father of John the Baptist, who just happens to be Jesus' cousin, okay? Uh, Jesus isn't born yet, but he's going to be Jesus' cousin. And so uh, Zechariah and his wife are having this baby, uh, and they're supposed to call him John, and, and it's kind of a miracle. They couldn't really get pregnant, so it's this whole thing. And then what happens is, because Zechariah really doesn't believe God, he becomes mute, and then eventually God loosens his tongue. And when he does, Zechariah gives this awesome prophecy about who John is going to be, but then also, more importantly, who the Messiah is going to be that John is coming to foretell about. And in verse 79, look at this, talking about the Messiah, Zechariah prophesies this. He's coming to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That part of why Jesus came was to lead God's people back into this state of peace, into this state of shalom. Go one chapter over, chapter 2, verse 14. Now we have a different scene. The shepherds are outside Bethlehem. They're tending the sheep. The angels show up. They tell them about the Messiah is going to be born. He's in Bethlehem. You need to go see him. And then they burst out into this song and in verse 14, it says, they sing this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Jesus was the promised king. He was the promised Messiah. He came to usher in a whole new era of peace on earth, as the angels are proclaiming. Peace like we had never seen or heard or experienced before. And as Jesus goes further into his ministry, in John 14, this will be on the screen for you, in John 14, 27, he's talking to his disciples. When they're in a pretty rough spot, he's just gave them some pretty bad news, and they're all worried, and they're all freaked out. And he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This gift, this promise of peace that Jesus came to deliver to those who would follow him wasn't just for the 12, right? It wasn't just for the first 12 guys, that they get the peace and everybody else, you're on your own. This was a promise for all of God's people, for all of time, for us today, right here, Jesus came to bring peace to us. Right here, right now, Christmas 2018, you can have that same peace that he's talking about. You know, Christmas time is one of those times where we tend to get together with family a lot, right? You kind of get the family gathering things going on. My family, we we are from a, I'm from a blended family, and then we have, you know, we've, I've married, and so we got her family, and so we got whole kinds of family stuff that we got to get to and do, and so Christmas is usually kind of crazy for us. But uh, yesterday, we went and down to my mom's, we did a Christmas with them, and, and it's interesting to me because, you know, Christmas, because you're seeing all this extra family and this extended family, that maybe you don't see them on a regular basis, like you don't see them a lot, so you see them like once or twice a year. Have you ever noticed what happens when you get all these new personalities, or all these different personalities like in the room that aren't used to really always being with one another? And how that can kind of be fun sometimes and create some fireworks. Does that happen to anybody else's Christmas ever, right? And so, um, and so as the personalities come together, things start to change. With, with us right now, it's all the, all the kid cousins, right? Like they all get together and, and like they just like start feeding off each other. And the energy just like goes up and up and up and through the roof. And, you know, like they just kind of keep building and building and building. Pretty soon it's like a scene from like Lord of the Flies or something down there, right? Like it's just... It just kind of gets a little crazy and everybody's telling on everybody and things are getting broken. And because as it all comes together, they just kind of bring that to the table, right? Maybe you have a different type of person in your family. Maybe you have that, that really fun aunt, right? That whenever she shows up, man, like the party shows up, right? Like, and it just doesn't matter who's there and what's going on. When she walks in, fun is happening because that's who she is. Or maybe you have that like really sentimental, sweet grandma and you know, when she comes, everybody just all of a sudden seems to be nicer and kinder and everybody kind of gentles up a little bit. And you're like, how do you do that? That's just, that's who she is. She brings that with her, right? Maybe it's the other side of the coin for you. Maybe you've got a dad or a grandpa that when he walks in, everybody tenses up and nobody wants to do anything or say anything because they don't know what's going to set him off this time. And, and when he comes in the room, he just brings that with him. Why does that happen? How does that happen? It's because that characteristic is a part of who they are. It's embedded in them. It's, it's, that's, the, that's who they are. It's their essence. Anywhere they go, it goes. Are you tracking with me at this point? Is this making sense for anybody? Have you experienced this? Jesus had that. And for Jesus, that characteristic was peace. When Jesus showed up, peace showed up. That's what he brought. It was part of who he was. As you, it's interesting, as you read through the Gospels and you see him step into different situations, even when there's conflict, even when he's like berating someone for doing something wrong, it never really escalates, right? Like it all kind of still just stays at peace. Because Jesus, when he's present, peace is present. That's what I'm talking about today. That's what I want you to, to walk away with today, that peace is present when Jesus is present. If you want peace in your life, if you want peace in this holiday season, the way you get that is to get more of Jesus in your life, more of Jesus in the holiday season. So peace, Jesus is peace come to earth. That's point one. I don't know if I ever said that earlier. If, you're, if you missed a blank, Jesus is peace come to earth. I don't want you type A people to walk out today with like, you know, a headache or something, okay? So point number two, Jesus is peace at my worst. Jesus is peace at my worst. For this, we're going to go to... 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So if you want to flip there, you, you can. We'll put some of this on the screen for you as well. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. I don't usually like to do that, but to show you these ideas, it's just kind of necessary this morning. So 2 Thessalonians three sixteen says this. 
in this letter here, Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. This is kind of the closing words he's giving them in his letter saying, hey, let me leave you with one more thing. And he says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. So here, he actually calls him the Lord of peace, or we could even substitute that word Lord for king, the, the king of peace, right? Think about like a monarchy. This doesn't always translate well for us in America because we're not used to monarchies. We don't deal in that a lot. We're used to, you know, presidents and Congress, and we vote them in, and we vote them out, and we, do the, we move on, and we can switch the leaders and stuff. That doesn't happen in a monarchy, right? Like, unless you kill somebody, they're king. They're in charge, right? And then their son's going to be in charge, and their son's son's going to be in charge, and that's just the way it rolls. They rule over all of it. So when he calls him the Lord or the King of Peace, he's telling us something, that peace is something that God owns. He controls it. He is over it. It is his forever. This isn't a temporary thing. It is his in perpetually, right? This is going to keep going. He alone can give it because he alone has it. He's the Lord of peace, and that's Paul's prayer right here. He says, may the Lord of peace give you peace at all times in every way. Paul's praying, he's praying, he's requesting, Lord, give them peace, which is interesting to me because that tells me something about peace. Peace isn't something that we can earn. It's not something that you can go out and achieve for yourself. Peace is something that's given by God, the Lord of peace. He says, give them peace at all times. Like every day, every minute, every hour. It's not fleeting. It's not going away. It can stay with you. Which seems very foreign to us when we think about peace because none of us actually experience it like that. Can we agree this morning? Right? Anybody else? Does it seem like peace kind of comes and goes and comes and goes, right? Is that kind of how we function right now? But Paul's saying, no, no, no. Give them peace at all times in every way. So it's not circumstantial. It's not like just in good times, give them peace, and in bad times, they got to fend for themselves. No, give them peace all the time in every situation. Keep giving them peace. That's what Paul's asking. That's a different kind of peace than most of us have ever really interacted with. That's what the Bible calls his perfect peace. It's there. It doesn't go anywhere. It, uh, through the ups and the downs, it's, it, it stays. It's, so how is that possible? How do I get that kind of peace, right? Thankfully, Paul knows because Paul has experienced it. And he tells us here with the last point, he says, in every way, the Lord be with you all. Paul is trying to point us here to the fact that peace, lasting, sustaining, perfect peace, comes when we have the Lord with us. It comes through him alone. Let me say it this way. Peace isn't something you get from Jesus. Peace is what you get when you get Jesus. Peace isn't something that he, he comes and he gives you and then he walks away and you've got to try to hold on to it or figure it out and, and not lose it. No, no. Peace isn't what you get from Jesus. Peace is what you get when you get Jesus. When you have him, when you are centered in him, when you are walking with him, as long as you're with Jesus, you can have peace. Jesus equals peace. That's the simplest way I can put it for you this morning. Let me give you another example. Philippians chapter 4. Again, another letter Paul's writing here to a church, this time in Philippi. In verse 6 he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, listen, don't be anxious. Don't, don't worry. Don't fret. Don't freak out. Don't lose your peace. Instead, Pray, pray, pray. Go to God. Go to the Lord of peace so that you can experience, as he says here, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It's so wonderful. It's so magnificent. It's so much greater than anything we've experienced. We can't even physically understand it. Right? 
It's beyond our human understanding, comprehension, experiences. Like it's so much greater and bigger than it. Like it's, it's the peace of God. And he says this peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice he didn't say that you have to keep a guard and try to hold on to the peace and make sure that you've got all the stuff in the right place so that your peace doesn't leave. No, he says the peace itself will guard you. Guard your heart, your mind. If you're with him, he's there, his peace is there. It's the one holding you in place, holding you up instead of the reverse. So oftentimes we're the ones trying to grasp and hold on to and I gotta make everything go just right and fix all the stuff so that I can keep hold of the peace. We've got it backwards. He says it'll guard your hearts and your minds, but again, here's the key. Last three words, in Christ Jesus. Peace is only found in him. You have to stay with him. The Jewish people at this time, when when Jesus came and when Paul's writing these things and the, the church is starting, they totally, totally got and understood and believed that there was a coming king, there was a coming Messiah. They were on that. They were praying for that. They were looking for that. But their expectation was that he was coming to bring peace. The problem was they thought he was coming to bring military peace. That he was going to come and set up this new kingdom and there was going to be a cessation from war and conflict and occupation and he was going to kick the Romans out and take back over Jerusalem and, and, the, and the promised land and it was all going to be good again. It was just going to be like back in the days of King David when the kingdom was all at peace and no, they weren't at war with any of the enemies because David had conquered everybody and he was just chilling at the palace, getting himself in trouble and like just living in peace. Like, they, like we want that again. That's what they were waiting for. That's what they were looking for. And much like us today, they misunderstood the true meaning of peace, the way God's talking about it here. Peace is not escape from, avoidance of, or even settling conflict. Peace is not about the absence of conflict in your life. That's why if you notice in the scriptures, Jesus never prayed, he never asked for God to give us conflict-free, problem-free, crisis-free lives. He never prayed for that. He never asked for that. In fact, in John 17, where Jesus is praying to the Father over his disciples, here's what he says. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not, do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus is like, they're hated because I'm hated, and they're in this thing, and they're in this world, and it's full of conflict and full of problems, and you know what, God? Don't take them out. I'm like, whoa, Jesus, can we vote on that one? Anybody else want to vote on the prayer part of Jesus right here? Like, that's not the way I would have prayed that right there. Do we, do we pray that prayer differently when we pray it, right? Like, God, like, please take care of this thing and get me out of this, right? Like, that's, that's the way I pray it anyways. I don't, maybe you guys are more spiritual than me, but that's, that's the way I do it. But Jesus says, no, I'm not praying that you take them out because that would defeat the purpose. That would defeat the mission of the gospel. We have to be here in the brokenness, in the messed up world, in the midst of the conflict and the problems and the crisis. We have to be here if we're going to fight back the darkness with the light. We have to be here if we're going to engage in the battle to glorify God and to bring more people into his family. But even in the midst of the conflict that is life, Jesus still guarantees us peace. Just a chapter earlier when he's trying to calm his disciples down because they're freaking out because he just told them he's dying and going away. In John 16, he says this, I have said these things to you that in me, in Christ, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Notice what he says there. 
in the world, you will have tribulation. Guaranteed, can't be avoided, never going to stop. You're going to have problems as long as you're on this earth. That's the way it works. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In me, you can have peace. Even in the midst of the conflict. Jesus equals peace. Christmas, or winter, you know, here in Missouri always seems to be crazy. Um, like we had that little cold snap earlier this fall and already got a little bit of snow. And now we've been like in the 50s the last week here. Like I don't know what's up with that. My head and sinuses and everything is just like thinks I'm schizophrenic or something. I don't know. Like it's just all messed up. But we do tend to get some pretty bad cold snaps in some, some winter and snow and stuff here before. And I don't know if you ever had this experience where it's been like a really bad snow and kind of blizzard and you had to, you had to go somewhere, or like a long distance, like maybe for Christmas or whatever, you had to travel to family's house or whatever you had to do and, and stuff. And, and, and you know, you're, when you're making that drive and you're going down the interstate and, you know, it's caked with snow and ice and the snow's still coming down and everybody's driving like 30 miles an hour because they're trying to like just keep it on the road. And, and every time you come up to like pass somebody else, right, like you, you've got your like you're, you're, for like one time in your life, you're at 10 and 2, and you've got like the knuckles are like white because you're holding onto the steering wheel so hard, and you're just trying to keep the thing going and just trying to not mess up. And I remember one time I was driving home from college, um, and it was like this. It was just, it was, it was not, it was at night. It was, the road was just caked with snow, snow still coming down, driving 30 miles an hour. So it was usually like an hour, a little over an hour drive for me to get home from college. It took me like three hours that night because everybody's just like, you know, trying to get through this thing. And so I remember I'm driving, and every time you would come up, and get ready to pass a car, you get all tense, and you're just like, okay, I just got to make sure that, like, I don't move, and they don't move, and, like, everything stays, so I've got, like, just this to get through there, and you get all tense, and you're like, if I can just get past this car and get around them, then I can relax and just kind of chill out again, but as soon as you get around that car, what happens? You see the brake lights of the next car, right, that's up the road, and you're like, okay, if I can just get past this car, if I can just get past this car, and every time you do, there's just another car, a lot of times that's the way we deal with life. If I can just get past this conflict, if I can just get past this issue, if I can just get past this season of life, then I'll be okay, I, I can relax, I'll be back at peace again. I've just gotta get past this thing. If I can just you know, get past this busy Christmas season and on the other side, then I can finally relax and be back at peace and I can slow down again. If I can just get past this, this next season, this six months or this year at work of doing the extra overtime or doing the extra shifts or to make the extra money and, and get it, then I can finally get us out of debt and then I can be free from that and I can be at peace again. Right? If, I can, if I can just get past this one relational issue with, with this family member or, or this coworker, if I can just get that cell, even if we don't agree, even if we don't come to the conclusions and nothing changes, like if I can just get past it, then we can be okay, we can just move on. I don't, know how, I don't know how many times you've tried that, but it never works. Because you know what's on the other side of that conflict? The next conflict, the next crisis, the next problem. True peace is not circumstantial. You, friend, listen to me. You need to stop believing the lie that you will finally get peace on the other side of whatever it is you're dealing with right now. That is an empty lie that never fulfills and keeps us on this constant just cycle of anger and bitterness and disappointment and fatigue and crazy life. If you keep waiting for a change in your circumstances to bring peace, you will never have it. Instead, you need to go to Jesus now, right in the middle of the struggle, right in the middle of the crisis. So oftentimes when things go bad, our tendency is to pull back, right? Well, it's crazy this week, I got all this stuff going on, so I can't make it to small group. 
or it's, you know, life's just, I got all this extra stuff to do, and I'm, I'm just, I need, I need a break, so I'm, just, I'm not going to church this Sunday. I'm not going to return that phone call or that text from my friend who's asking me how things are going. I'm just going to step back. I'm going to avoid everything so I can deal with this crisis. And as we unplug from all of those things that God has given us to connect us to him, we actually unplug from him. And we lose even more peace in the midst of the crisis. We need to go to him, towards him, lean in harder in the midst of the problems if we want peace. He wants you to do that. He wants to be your peace in the midst of the crisis. That's his heart. That's his desire for you. Jesus doesn't give peace on the other side of the crisis. He is peace in the middle of the crisis. Jesus isn't waiting for you to figure it out and for you to fix it and for you to get past it so he can finally give you peace again. Right? That's not the way Jesus works. He wants you to come to him right now in the middle of it so he can give you peace to get through it. He doesn't want to give you peace on the other side. He wants to give you peace in the middle. So Jesus is peace come to earth. Jesus is peace at my worst. Last point today, number three, Jesus is my only chance at peace on earth. Jesus is my only shot at this peace thing really coming true in my life. I'm going to Luke chapter 8 for an illustration story on this one. Luke chapter 8. In this chapter, there's a scene where Jesus is teaching and this guy named Jairus comes up to him frantic that his daughter is sick and dying. And he begs Jesus, come, come heal my daughter. Please come help. And Jesus says, okay, I'll help. And so they start walking because, you know, they didn't have ambulances and, and stuff back then. So they start walking and no Ubers. So they, they're, they're on the, the path and they're getting to the daughter. But all along the way, because Jesus is so popular, because he's been doing all this teaching and healing, and everybody loves him, there's this huge crowd around him, right? And they're kind of all pressing and walking with Jesus and trying to, you know, get his attention and and in the midst of all this, look at verse 42, Luke 8, 42. It says, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So think about this woman for a second. She's been sick for 12 years. Some of you all know I've been having a, a little bit of a back problem for the last like month and a half to two months and it's driving me insane, right? And it's been like six weeks. Some of, you have, some of you all have had chronic illness issues for months or years or this woman, 12 years. You know what she's feeling, right? You know how fed up she is, how tired she is, how she's like, I just gotta get past this. It says that she had a, a discharge of blood, a bleeding issue, which isn't just a medical issue for her. It's also, a, it's also a heart issue for her because in the Jewish religion and culture, if you, were, uh, if you had a blood issue, if you were bleeding in some way, you were unclean, which means that you didn't get to have much human contact because nobody else wanted to touch you because if they touched you, then they became unclean. So she's had limited to no human contact for 12 years. She hasn't been able to go and worship God at the tabernacle or the temple because you couldn't go in there if you were unclean from a discharge of blood. She's separated. She's isolated. She's weak. She's lost all of her money. She spent all of her money on the doctor. She has no cure. Nothing's happening. She has no peace. Can we agree on that this morning? Verse 44, and she came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Instant relief. One touch of the master's garment and she was healed from illness and trial and circumstances and problems. It's all gone. Finally, finally she has peace, right? Like this is what she's been waiting for. 12 years she's been waiting for this. And immediately peace floods into her heart, into her life. But then look at 45. And Jesus said, who, who, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. 
But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. So Jesus, again, the whole crowd's around. They're all pressing together. And Jesus is like, who touched me? And nobody speaks up. They're all scared, right? And so no one comes forward. And the disciples are like, Jesus, who didn't touch you? Like, have you seen this crowd? Like, I don't know what you're talking about touching you. Like, this is, this is the thing. And he, but Jesus is not letting it go. He's like, no, no, somebody touched me. Who touched me? And so the woman at this point, she's trying to sneak away, right? I touched the garment. My problem's solved. I've got the peace. I'm just, I'm going to go my way. No, 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 need, no need to make a scene. No need to make this a big deal. Like, I'm just going to move on. But now she knows she can't. So look at verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in, his, in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Are you serious? Another conflict? Like I just, 12 years, I just got it done. I just got the peace. And now this guy's gonna make a big deal and I have to come and like fall down and cry. And like, this is, are we really gonna do this now? Isn't that how it always seems to work? We get past this thing and then the next thing just pops up. Verse 48, and he said to her, daughter, and I wish I could talk to you about daughter. I can't talk to you about that. I don't have time for that right now. That's so good. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in what? Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. You see, her peace, it wasn't in the absence of the bleeding. Her peace wasn't in the financial burden finally being lifted. Her peace wasn't in the relationships that were going to be restored now that she was clean. Her peace was her faith in Jesus. It was only in him that she would have true lasting peace. If he let her get healed and walk away and that was it, she'd have thought that was the thing. And she'd have had peace for a little while until the next illness came up and then it would all tailspin again. Some of you go through this sequence with Jesus on a regular basis. I love Jesus. Things are going great. Oh, me and Jesus, man, we're awesome. And then a problem comes and you tailspin because you think the whole world's unraveling and there's no peace in it until finally somehow it gets fixed. God fixes it or whatever happens. And then you're, okay, I'm back with Jesus again and we're all friends now and it's all good. And then something else happens and we tailspin again. And the reason that cycle keeps happening in your life it's because you don't understand what's actually giving you the peace. It's not fixing the problem that's giving you the peace. It's your faith in a God who said he is the prince of peace. It's staying close to him. Whether it's good or bad. Pressing in. One more. In John chapter 20, this is right after Jesus uh, resurrection. So Jesus has went to the cross. He's been crucified. He died. He went in the grave. He rose back to life. And here in John chapter 20, he's going to appear to his disciples. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So when Jesus shows up here, the disciples are all in this locked room. Why? Because they're afraid. They are freaking out. They are scared the Jews are going to kill them just like they killed their friend, right? And so they're hiding and they're afraid. They've been with Jesus for three years now. They've been walking with him every day, experiencing his goodness, experiencing his mercy, experiencing his peace. And now he's gone and the peace is gone. They've lost it. So Jesus shows up, and the first thing he says is, peace be with you. Like, no, no, like literally right now in the room, I'm here, peace be with you. He's not giving them something. He's saying, I'm back. I'm here. Peace. The disciples obviously are ecstatic right? They're like, it's Jesus, and they're all happy again, and it's all good and going well, but then he talks again, he says, and he comes back to it, and he says, P, 
peace is here, peace is back, it'll be okay. And he says, peace be with you. I am sending you. They're like, whoa, Jesus. (laughs) Hold on. You mean like out there? Like out into the conflict, out into the crisis? Like we just got you back. We just got the peace back. Now we're good. Let's just all stay right here. Lock the doors. You can manifest some bread like you did the other day with the 5,000. And we'll all just, just chill right here and be at peace with you, Jesus. He just says, no, 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 I, I, got, I have to send you out. But I'll, I'll be with you. You have to go out, but I'm going to be there. I will be with you. You can still have peace. Church, Sunday mornings are great, and we love this. We look forward to this all week, gathering with God's people, worshiping him, glorifying him, experiencing his presence. We love this. Small groups are fantastic growing in relationships with one another, growing in in our walk with Christ. Like, we love those times, and they're so important, and they're so vital, but we are called to live for God, for his gospel, for his mission, not in church, not in small group, but in the world. We can't just stay in our safe, comfortable church bubbles all the time. We have to step out into the conflict, into the crisis, into the brokenness so they can see a different way, so we can shine some light. We have to have faith to walk in the midst of conflict in the world, relying on Jesus to be our peace. That kind of life, that kind of peace is only possible because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Last scripture for you this morning. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says this. For in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Finding true lasting peace only comes through believing that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. This is is where it all comes from. That I have faith that he defeated the enemy of sin, the enemy of death, that he can protect me, that he can carry me through to this eternal peace with God one day. started by explaining that peace was lost when sin came. That when God created Adam and Eve, they were in perfect relationship with him. Nothing dividing, no problems, no conflict, no issues. But sin, as we learned this past year, separates us from God. It severs the relationship. There's conflict there. There's no peace in it. And God knew that, and he knew that we couldn't fix that. He knew that we couldn't solve that problem, not on our own. And so he sent his son, Jesus, the Messiah, to be born of a virgin in a manger. No fanfare, no big crowds, no parades, just humble entry to then grow up and live a perfect, sinless, human life. And then he chose to go to the cross and to die a sinner's death. Not for his sin. He died for your sin. He died for my sin. He stood in our place taking our wrath from God, taking our punishment upon himself, being our substitute. And they killed him and he, they buried him in the tomb and three days later he rose back to life to show that he was God, to prove that he was who he said he was, that he was king forever. And he offers us peace with God. 
this broken relationship, this severed relationship, this conflict that you have because of your sin, that can be fixed. I died for it. If you'll come to me, if you'll put your faith in him, he will forgive your sin, cleanse your heart, and reconcile you back in your relationship with God forever. He's the Prince of Peace. This is what he offers to us because of his cross. And if you don't have that yet, if you have not yet trusted in Christ for salvation, if you've not yet put your faith in him to save you from your sin, then everything I'm talking about today is all beyond your grasp. This is the first step. It starts here. Once you have faith, then you can experience the relationship that brings peace, lasting peace. But if you don't have this, then you've got to start here, and I encourage you to do it today. Don't, you don't have to leave this place still separated from God Almighty. Faith in Jesus solves all of that. If you're searching, if you're looking for peace today, if you have tired of the wrestle and the struggle and failing and falling in the next crisis and the next crisis, believe. Believe in Jesus to save you from your sin and let him give you true lasting peace. Best Christmas gift you'll ever get. Guaranteed. I don't know if you, if anyone else remembers, um, the first time that your parents let you stay at home alone at your house? Anybody else remember that like as a kid? Like when you got to stay home the first time or like maybe even like overnight? That was like the really big one, right? Like stay overnight at home. I remember the first time my parents um, let me do that. We, we, li- we always had the privilege or, uh, or the grace of God to always live in fairly safe neighborhoods. So like anytime we were at home, like home was a safe place for us. Like we were never worried about anything happening and everything was good and and uh, I remember the first time my parents left me at home overnight. Um, you know, they're gone. And all of a sudden, things that always were just normal things that just seemed okay and regular, all of a sudden seemed like more scary and intimidating. You guys you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, like I remember I, that night I was like taking the, the trash out to like the outside trash can. And like I put it in the trash can and I'm like running back into the house. like thinking somebody's like going to like jump out and grab me or like, you know, try to get in the house some way or something. And like before I'm going to bed, I'm, I'm double checking, triple checking like every door, you know, to make sure it's locked and, and things that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I, I, um, my mom kept this 22 pistol underneath her bed and for protection. And so I went and got it and put it underneath my bed just in case, you know, like somebody came in. Like, like there was this whole thing. Like I, you just kind of took for granted all those things that felt safe before, but they didn't feel safe anymore. Why? Because... My parents weren't there. They were gone. They had left me alone. And when they left, the peace that their presence gave left with them. Right? That's what I'm talking about with Jesus. When you don't have him, when he's not there, you can't have that peace of his presence. But once you have it, you'll never lose it. The Bible says that he does not leave us nor forsake us. Once you have him, his presence, you have peace. So why often, as Christians, for those of you who are already believers, why is it that so often we don't live like that? Why do we walk through this life? Why do we go through our days worried about this and worried about this and fearful about that and not walking and living in peace? It's because we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start putting more concern and attention and faith in the circumstances of our life than we do in the one who has already promised that he'll take care of all of it if we'll stay close to him. And listen, I'm just as guilty as anybody. So this isn't just me pointing fingers at you. It doesn't have to be that way. Not if you have Jesus. You can have a lasting peace as long as you stay close to him. I need not lose my peace because Jesus never 
leaves me. No matter what you're facing, no matter what big problem you have right now, health, finances, relationships, work, you know, family, whatever the thing is, like, you don't have, you, you have to go through the conflict. You'll have to still walk through the process, but you don't have to do it in a state of turmoil in your heart and in your mind. You can do it with an overwhelming peace if you'll stay close to Jesus. He doesn't leave you. Sometimes we try to leave him, but he doesn't leave us. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Christ. You need to change your definition of peace today. Whatever has wired your brain to believe that peace is simply getting away from whatever the problem is, that's not working, okay? To continue doing something that's not working, we call that insanity, okay? So stop doing that, stop believing in peace like that, and grab a hold of the true peace that Jesus offers to you today. Peace is not the opposite of conflict. It's not on the other end of the spectrum, Peace isn't what magically happens when there's no more problems or issues. Peace is what happens when you press into your relationship with Jesus. Peace will come and stay in your heart when you fully tune into him, no matter what the circumstances are. So I think today, I think I just want to end like this. We're going to stand and pray together and just ask the Lord. Remember the verse we read earlier where it said that his peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus? This isn't isn't something that we have to do. We just have to pray and put our faith in him and the peace will come and do the work. So let's just pray for that. Let's just pray that God through the Holy Spirit would come and just flood our hearts with peace as we believe and put our faith in him and not in our circumstances. Stand with me, let's pray, let's respond to the Lord today. Heavenly Father, thank you God so much for all that you're doing, all that you've done, Lord, through this Christmas season, through this Christmas series, Lord, and teaching us to draw closer to you. Father, today we believe, we recognize, we profess, Lord, that you are indeed the king of peace. You own it, you control it, you create it, you are the source of it. Only you can give it. So, Father, we're done. We are done chasing and trying to achieve it on our own. We're coming to you bowing before you, Lord, our hearts and our hands, asking for you to give us your perfect peace. Lord, help us. By the power of your spirit, Lord, help us to set and keep our hearts on you no matter what the circumstance. Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Pray all this in the name of Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ.